Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. There it is. I just hit a tiny little button on a tiny little laptop, but yet this huge thing starts and this these like two forces colliding on this awesome episode here. I'm excited to introduce the guest today. He is a fellow trailblazer and Salesforce Ohana. What does that mean? That means family. The Salesforce ecosystem is like a family and to be able to hang out with a fellow marketer with over 10 years of experience developing and executing these digital marketing strategies and campaigns with the right stack and the right audience, man, we're going to have a lot to talk about. He's won a whole bunch of awards. 2019 Salesforce Limitless Award. Going to ask about that. And he is also an official 2020 Salesforce Marketing Champion, Director of Digital Marketing at Cummins. Nick Widella, welcome, sir. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's great to have you here. I know we had chatted a while back and we're just kind of all surviving here in our home offices and making it, making it work. How you been? Yeah, I've been busy. I mean, as I'm sure everyone is, right? You got yeah. personal uh, situation, whatever that may be, if you have kids or not even, um, and, and work. I think a lot of people's jobs have changed uh, in mm-hmm. the last couple of months of maybe what they used to do to what they have to do now. Um, and so I think everyone's just trying to maintain and, f- and figure it out and play it day by day. And it's, right. it's near impossible to predict the future and how long this is going to last or you know, what the next five, 10 years even will look like now that this has happened. So uh, everyone's just trying to figure it out, man. You know what? I've got a time machine, but it only goes backwards, but we get to that later on. So we'll talk about the time machine Uh, later, but unfortunately it only goes one direction, unfortunately. Uh, But Hey man, this is a marketing champion series show. Um, I'm excited to pick your brain, learn from you, the strategy strategies you're using. So let me pass you this thing. It's kind of heavy for me, but it almost looks like this was made for you. Ugh. Okay, here you oh, go. Oh, wow. Thor's hammer. You got it? I got, got it. Let me okay. grab that. Sweet. One-handed, nice. like a boss. <laughs> Look at that. Dude, take Thor's hammer for me. Smash some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. Yeah, I think one of them, and I think, I don't know, a lot of people are probably on the fence about this and may disagree with me, but it's around kind of um, targeting the right audience and whether or not you should be using like personas or not. So I think a lot of, a lot of marketers, um, for whatever reason, they stick to building these personas, right? So they'll say, okay, I'm selling, you know, fishing equipment. And so I have a persona of who I think would buy my fishing equipment. Maybe it's a certain demographic, maybe they have a certain amount of, uh, household income, maybe they're in a certain region, Um, they have certain interests and hobbies and say, okay, that's my perfect customer. Um, I'm going to go and follow these people around basically online and put, put ads in front of them because they're the ones who would buy my product. And not to say that that's the wrong approach, but you could, you could spend a lot of money and a lot of time doing that because, uh, although that persona may quote unquote fit who would buy your product, it doesn't mean they care about your product right now. doesn't mean that they you know, maybe they already have the product and they're all set and they don't need anything at the time. So you could be wasting a lot of money. And kind of the approach that that I like to take is um, more around place and time. So instead of targeting that persona, 
um, I'm just going to, if I'm selling fishing equipment, I'm going to go ahead and put my ads on fishing websites or camping websites or whatever I feel is relevant to that. Yeah. Um, so then regardless of persona, you know, the, you know, if someone's visiting that fishing website, chances are they're interested in fishing and chances are they're interested in fishing right now because they're on the site right sure. now. So to me, that makes a lot more sense. Plus, you don't limit yourself by forgetting a persona or missing the mark when you're creating your persona because, you know, you might have a whole bunch of new customers that you've never had before that now see your your ad on the fishing website or whatever it might be. They purchase your products and you look at the data on, on who that customer is and you say, oh, wow, I would never have known that, you know, this type of person or this use case was around my product. So um, I typically, you know, from a strategy standpoint, try to lean away from persona building and, and using that data for ad targeting. Also, not just the reason I mentioned, but also, you know, a lot of the data out there, whether you're using the DMP or whatever you're trying to do to identify a user to see if they fit into your uh, persona or not, a lot of that data is pretty dirty. It's not very clean at all. I know I've looked up myself oh, yeah. on some DMPs and it says I make you know, anywhere between 20,000 and half a million dollars a year, which is true, hmm. but that's not, that's a great range enough. It's a big <laughs> range. Right. And I've also, it also thinks I'm both male and female. It thinks, uh, uh, I did and also did not go to college. So the data is just not clean. Wow. So, right. If your persona is targeting someone who went to college or didn't go to college, I'm in it either way. And, and I may or may not be the right person. Um, now so do again, you think maybe like you fit in that category? Cause I'm pretty sure I went to college and didn't quite go to college. You know what? That might be, <laughs> you might have a point there. Did they yeah. know you better than yourself at this point? Yeah. Maybe it's like super advanced AI. Then they're actually right. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the persona stuff for ad targeting just doesn't really work, mm. but, but no, that's but, not total heresy though. You know? Yeah. I think it does play a part when you're thinking maybe like on a content strategy and, and you're like, all right, I got to I got to write about something. Mm. What, what, what do my customers care about? I think maybe in that scenario, persona building has a little more value. Um, you can kind of look at your existing customers and kind of put them in some sort of bucket, if you will, or persona group and say, all right, what does that persona care about? Do they care about technology? Do they care about the environment? Do they care about people or what, mm. what do they care about? Um, and you can kind of, have a broader content strategy that you know is going to kind of resonate with those personas. But I think from a targeting standpoint, it just with today's technology and, and, and how, how unclean a lot of that data is with DMPs, uh, I just don't see it working. I mean, uh, not to say it can't work, but I think you'll spend a lot of money going that route as opposed to a kind of right time, right place. You know, it's a really interesting conversation. We haven't, we haven't had this on the show and but what, what I like about this and maybe just is just the kind of um, conversations that this kind of format attracts is like, who cares what the commonly held beliefs are? Like what, what actually works, you know? And I think there's a lot of marketers at tech companies that will put forward some kind of strategy, marketing strategy, especially if they're selling to marketers that like, this is the way to do it. But maybe that's because it helps sell their shit, you know? Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of that misinformation. I know I was wrapped up in this, um, persona thing back in the day i mean i went through like 15 15 five eight years of marketing learning from a, a popular marketing automation tool um about what personas are and come to find out it, it took me being on a podcast with adele ravella where she's like that's just a profile you know mm -hmm. and in which is just like oh they, they they like cats and they're 
30 to 50 and they this and you're like okay so what do i do with that nothing like I, cat videos i don't know and to your point how is that going to help you advertise or, or go get more people doesn't really drive you anywhere and so you're right i think a lot of people either spend time doing that or they don't they don't do them at all because they're like this doesn't seem like this would help why would i do that you know and so i, I hear you man like how how much do you want to know about your customers versus it's just the fact that they go to these sites. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, there, there are points where you're going to want to know very specifically who your customer is for, again, for, for a variety of reasons. But I think when you're, when you're a marketer and you're trying to, to generate interest in your product, you don't necessarily know who is going to be interested in that. I mean, you have an idea, of you know back to the fishing example like you, you maybe have an idea of who is more likely to be interested in fishing or not but that you're probably not going to be right 100 of the time you're gonna have a lot of missed opportunities um and i think you just need to put it in the right place at the right time and whoever yeah. that audience is it, it that's who they are right like they've self-selected by going to that site absolutely yeah they're doing it already so you might as well you know they're already in the mindset and in the mode when they're on that site so you might as well add your add your message or product there and then you can analyze the data afterwards and, and if they end up buying from you then you could start looking at all of your existing customer information and say okay are there any common factors between these customers or not and uh and maybe you use that for some other advantage uh, down the road but like i said i think the targeting place is you, you let the customer decide and decide if they're a customer or not as as, as opposed mm -hmm. to you saying you're not my customer because you don't like cats or you don't uh you know whatever your your markers are um i think it's a little silly to kind of put yourself in a box like that right like if you're like oh most of our customers are women and this and this and this and then a guy comes along you're like nope sorry right you're not even no. trying to reach them and it's like well he's gonna buy it for his wife or for you know yeah. somebody and it's like well now you missed the mark on that and uh you know, you lost, you know, missed, missed uh, revenue potential. So. In that case, maybe overanalyzing who you think your customer is and you don't even know. Yeah, I like the idea of the fact that, you know, the sort of these related websites, these different kind of properties or, or places where the right people are going and they're only going there. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on the content of the site, but they're going there if they're in at least the fit in the example, the fishing mindset, they're thinking right. about fishing. Maybe you don't know if they want a boat yet or not, but at least they're, in the moment in that zone of like visualizing themselves on the lake as opposed to hitting right. them randomly on the subway or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're way more likely to get engagement from them on that fishing website as opposed to them, you know, trying to buy a TV on some website and your little fishing ad keeps popping up or, or, you know, they're checking their email and they see your fishing ad popping up. Chances are they're not going to click it. It's they're not thinking about that in that yeah. moment. And so you're going to pay for this impression or you're just going to not get any clicks and, um, and whatever. So I, th I think it's definitely, you know, right time, right place. And, uh, and I, you know, there's, there's other tools out there, you know, that we've seen where, you know, it takes it above and beyond just even in that fishing example. So obvious ones are going to be fishing websites, maybe camping websites and things like that, but you got to start doing your research and really saying, okay, from a, from a standpoint of like Google, for example, what other terms what questions are people asking related to fishing? And there's going to be a lot of things that pop up where you're like, oh man, I would never have related this topic or this question to what I sell. Right. And as soon as you realize those, 
you're ahead of the game because now you can go ahead and start targeting even if it's just you know uh search ads right and and when people are asking those questions or searching Mm -hmm. for those topics you're showing up because you know that 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 your product is relevant to that question or topic and it may not be very obvious to to your competitors that you are and and i have yeah i've seen some really good examples of that where you just you know your your mind's in one thing you're like okay i'm trying to sell this yeah do you you have any examples of that or any uh yeah i mean i mean we you know even at cummins like for example um you know, one of the products uh, that they sell is like a home generator. So like backup okay. power for your house. Right. And so um, obviously we were, you know, bidding on terms and websites that were related to that home improvement stuff, websites and, you know, any, anything that we thought that was like, all right, if you're building a house or if you have a house, mm-hmm. you know, you might need this maybe if you're in a rural area. But what we found out was the most common questions related to our product, like not, directly related but indirectly related were questions about uh, hurricanes and severe weather Mm. so more people were searching about um, you know hurricane especially like in florida about hurricanes and how do i keep my family safe during a hurricane and how should i prepare for a hurricane and then the data was showing us like months later once the hurricane was over with they were looking at home generators right so we said oh got it so let's make a content strategy around the hurricane piece and let's let's uh put ourselves in a position where we're providing them value we're not going to try to sell them anything we're not even going to mention our generators for like the first six months let's just give them tips and tricks how to keep their family safe during the hurricane how to prepare for it and then down the road once once the dust is settled and everyone's safe now we can start remarketing to them and saying, Hey, you know, was your power out for weeks at a time? Mm -hmm. You know, this is a product that can help with that. And it's kind of a soft sell. Um, But we saw a lot more impact um, doing it that way than kind of just forcing, you know, during a hurricane saying, Hey, buy this generator, which is going to do during a hurricane. Right. What am I going to do? I'm not going to get it until three weeks later. And now you're just pissing me off, but you're right. That was smart to do a slow play like that. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of examples like that, like almost any yeah. industry, any product will have, will have something similar to that where, you know, if you just think about your own daily searches, like if you're looking to buy, I don't know, a refrigerator or something, there's probably a bunch of other searches you do that you don't even realize that are somewhat tied to the fact that you need a fridge, right? right. Like there might, you might have a problem that maybe there's a leak or you've got something or something kind of a little off tangent from the fridge directly. Like a um, home remodel, right? Maybe, yeah. There's there's a tons of things, and then and then if you notice that if it trends enough, and you notice like, hey, a lot of people search for these things, either before or kind of during their mm-hmm. their search for the fridge. <clears throat> now you have a whole another kind of area to focus on content creation and really adding value, and then driving awareness of your brand to kind of per, to, to help them with that problem that they have right. and then you could sell them on the product later because once you've given them value for free and you're not trying to sell them anything now you're now they trust you now they know you're the expert in that space whatever it is um, and then when you do try to make the pitch of like hey we have these products or services they're where they're, they're way more likely just to hear you out doesn't mean you'll sell to them but they're way more likely to give you give you the time of day and listen yeah. to your little sales pitch and you planted the seed early, you know, and you let it, you yeah. let it grow in there as opposed to just trying to flash 
flash flood a brand new yard of grass you like had to plant things and give it some water and just that oh man that and i even see like you know hey someone buys a new stove maybe they want to make sure they're well people that have lots of money maybe they want to make sure their fridge matches their stove you know like ooh. right um, right. You know, all different kinds of people thinking different things. I, my question to you, and, and I'm glad you got into this topic, is just like, okay, place and time, sweet, easier said than done. How do you find those places? How do you, and then even this particular example, how do you find those connections? Um, and then even the websites and those kind of things. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug a company here. I know yeah. we don't do this, but totally. uh, uh, there's a company in based in Indianapolis, Demand Jump. Uh, if you, if you haven't heard of them, check them out. Demand They're, what? Demand jump. Jump. All okay. one word. Demand jump. Okay. So uh, they're great. Um, we, we, we've been using them for a while now. Um, I know a lot of the guys who work there and, uh, you know, they have, they have this platform that kind of gives you that information, right? So essentially you go into there and they, they say, all right, what, what's your topic of interest? What, what products are you selling? So maybe it's, bicycles you say, all right, I'm selling bicycles so you'll type in the term bicycle and they'll say all right who are your top five competitors in in that uh, category of bicycles and you plug those competitors in their websites and it'll crawl you know google and, and dozens of other sources and kind of spit out hey here are all the terms and questions that people ask that are relevant to bicycles and here's how much market share your competitors have in those terms and questions. And so you can kind of look at it and say, all right, these are the top 100 questions about bicycles that people are asking. Interesting. Um, my competitors are only answering five of those questions. So there's 95 questions that my competitors are not answering about bicycles. I'm going to go do that. And I'm just going to write blogs or whatever. And I'm going to answer right. those questions. Um, and you could title the blog verbatim what the question is. So your SEO is going to be spot on. Mm -hmm. um, and you slowly start to steal market share from them essentially in the form of web traffic. Um, and it'll also tell you, you know, Hey, these are the websites that people are visiting before they land on your competitor. So you can you can kind of go back a couple steps and say, okay, they go to this, they go to this blog, they go to this, home improvement website, they mm -hmm. go to this, I don't know, again, fishing website, and then they land on, you know, bicycles.com or whatever, who's my top competitor. And right. so now I can go to those spots and kind of put ads there to try to divert the traffic to me as opposed to the, letting the competitor take it. So it's a very powerful tool. Um, I think, you know, it, it takes someone understanding and seeing the value and kind of taking that approach, which is again, not the persona approach it's the really the time and the place um and so i yeah. think them they you know from a tool standpoint they're the only tool i've seen that have done that successfully um wow and and uh i think it's really been kind of a game changer for us for sure um but i've seen you know several other companies use use their platform as well with similar results right it's it's kind of like a little secret recipe you know a little secret yeah i feel like we got a little secret nugget here yeah, yeah. It's very it's a very powerful, very powerful platform and uh it's unlike anything that I've that I've seen to be honest. And so it literally is just giving you all these questions and connections that your competitors might be tying into that you're not or nobody's tying into. 
Yeah, more. Yeah, the one. It's more importantly the ones that no one's tying into because you'll see questions or phrases where there's high competition, meaning all your competitors are are competing for that keyword or they're talking about that question. Yeah. And maybe you maybe you say, you know what, I'm not going to even get in the mix there. I'm going to spend right. a lot of time and money and 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 probably not make a dent. But you kind of see the low hanging fruit, like okay, these are very popular questions. They're you know my competitors are barely touching them or not touching them. Really, you just go all in on that, and it's like it's like no one's there, man. It's like you, you just go and take it and then it's all for you. Right. And so, wow. um, and, and just from, even just from the most simple, you know, running keyword, uh, you know, search uh, ads or something like it just gives you the list of keywords to bid on. It's like, just use these hundred keywords. You'll be fine. Like, don't, you don't really, there's not a lot of trial and error there. It, uh, again, it's a very powerful tool. Um, and so I recommend, you know, if you haven't, I haven't heard of them, check them out. Um, I definitely, I definitely recommend it. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, you can't get better than that. I'm actually kind of excited. I'm like, holy crap. It sounds like there's some stuff out there that I need to, um, I loved uh, Cause that, that's, it's like, what's on their minds, you know, and right. sort of interviewing all of them. It'd be great to, <laughs> to know what's going on over there. So, wow, that's yeah. cool. We'll definitely have to check them out. Yeah. I'm sure a bunch of people are like, huh, what is this? So it's demandjump.com. I'm just looking at it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Any other, any other secret secrets you have in there? <laughs> any other secret, <laughs> secret weapons you have hidden? We have a couple that that I that I won't share just yet because they're they're so fr- like we're still playing around to see if this okay. is going to work or not, right? But yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's kind of I'll give you kind of a, a taste of what it is. It's kind of like what I just described, but how do you do that for non-digital kind of offline uh, uh, things, right? right? So if you think about like now, it's kind of a bad example, but you know, it, you know, even a year ago, people are attending trade shows, maybe you're sponsoring events, maybe you're running, I don't know, TV ads, um, yeah. radio ads. How do you know if those are working? How do you know where to place it? We're trying to figure out kind of how do we replicate kind of what I just described online? How do we replicate that offline? And I think mm-hmm. we have we have some ideas. I think we have a, a solid way to do it. And again, we're we're kind of partnering with Demand Jump on figuring that out. And so, it again, it's a it's bad timing on on trying that because most you know, in person events and and trade shows are are canceled this year. And and you know, I don't know about next year. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. But but as soon as those maybe kind of pick back up, or or may, or who knows, maybe want to play around with the TV or radio space, uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of give that a shot and see if we can't kind of replicate the same formula for that. Sick. Yeah. Huh. Man, um, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm sold on the idea of like, it's context, right? It's like, it's the context of the situation. It's not it, more so than anything. It's the context over the demographics or the silly profiles. It's like, what, what's going, do you do much with intent data? Have you done much with that? Like um, the different apps out there that are kind of like trying to tie into that? We'll do a little bit. I mean, not really. I think maybe intent some of that intent information is maybe better suited for, I don't know, like personalization down the road. Mm-hmm. So maybe once you kind of already have, once you've already kind of drawn in that audience and now they're, they're visiting your website or they're engaging with your brand. That's the time where maybe you start to dig into the data. Again, you mm-hmm. got to make sure that it's clean data and that it's accurate yeah. data, which is a challenge. So if it's not your first party data, it's it's a little risky to 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 bet on how clean and and accurate that is but you know you can you can slowly start collecting 
kind of intent data using your own first party data just as someone's navigating yeah. you know if you just think about someone navigating your website looking at certain things maybe your social properties and you know engaging with your other marketing or sales efforts you can start to gauge the intent and there's tools out there that'll take all that information and you know have a layer of ai on it that kind of you know spit out pretty solid recommendations um, and so then I think you would use those recommendations more for the personalization piece to say, yeah. okay, they're more interested in product A over product B, or they're more interested in like a service aspect as opposed to buying the product because maybe they already own it. Um, and and uh, so you can personalize the content based on maybe their intent or what you think their intent is. And that's where you can play around with A-B testing because, you know, you might be wrong. Right. So you say, I think their intent's this. You show half that audience content A, half that other con audience content B, see what works, you know, a week later, switch it up. You just kind of, kind of rinse and repeat with that, you know, infinitely um, until you think you've kind of honed in on, all right, these are the, key, these are like the indicators or things that I feel very confident that their mm -hmm. intent is this. And it's going to take you a while to get there, but uh, yeah, he's got to kind of play around with it, I think. Okay. That makes sense. I, I like this transition because it, now we, we get out of okay so time and place but now we're sort of start talking more about the person themselves and you know talking to them in their own language what, what's your take on yeah you know, the i mean really there's a the challenge of like talking to ourselves is a little easier because we kind of speak the same language when you talk to other people like non-marketers uh, other departments other industries it's like how do you make that transition yeah, that's the that's the challenge. That's the most challenging part of of any digital marketer's job, I think. You know, I've heard you know, for for other not not necessarily Cummins, but other companies I worked for, and and even peers of mine who work for other Fortune 500 companies, they all kind of have the same pain point, which is, you know, senior leadership or some business leader, uh, so a non-marketer, will say, will go to the marketing team and say, hey, I saw Amazon do this or I saw our competitor do that, we need to be doing that. Mm. And the first question is, do we need to be doing that? Like, do we? what are they, especially if you're going to try to compare your company to an Amazon or maybe something that's not even related to you from an industry standpoint, like they, they have totally, they have a totally different business plan and, and marketing plan than what you do. And just trying to copy and paste whatever you think was successful for them which that's the other thing, just because you saw them doing it doesn't mean it was successful at all. I've seen tons of companies have a, you know, a certain social media strategy and, and uh, they put a lot of money into it. So it has a lot of visibility and you see other companies kind of copying them because they're like, oh man, did you see what company A was doing? Mm -hmm. and, and then meanwhile, on the back end, company A is like, there's no ROI, they're not getting any leads or sales, they're just blowing their money um, and it's a waste for them. But everyone else just assumes success uh, because of the the high visibility that it has, so you it, just it, have it to really success, you know, and that company might not even be able to track it. A lot of companies we talk to, they haven't even set up ROI tracking; they don't even know. So they yeah. may just be blindly doing that channel. <laughs> yeah, you don't know the details. You're just looking at the cover of the book, and you're assuming yeah. what's inside the book. And it's like, well, you haven't read the book, so you have no idea what what's really happening there. And so, I think um, you know when when you get those types of questions from from someone in sales or the business or, or kind of, you know, anyone, anyone who doesn't really know marketing, you just got to back up and say, what's, what's our objective? What are we trying to do? Trying to increase market share of something? Are we trying to launch a new product? Are we trying to just um, maybe maintain our market share of something? Mm -hmm. Cause there's going to be a new competitor in the space. 
what's our high level objective and what are the campaigns and tactics that we feel we can do that'll best uh, give us that that objective or goal and, and so we can be successful. And right. I think that's, you know, when you, when you, it sounds very common sense and basic and, you know, I think it is, I'm sure you think it is as, mar- as a marketer, but the business doesn't realize that sometimes. And so when you tell them that, they're like, oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. That thing I saw Amazon do, that wouldn't help us at all. Like actually, now that I think about it. And, um, and so I, and that's, that's, I think that's going to always be a challenge because you're always going to have people who, you know, everyone thinks they're a marketer. Yeah. Um, what do they call it? Like a Saturday morning, Sunday morning quarterback? What is it? Monday morning. Monday right? morning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's kind of like happened, You're like, you know what? It after totally the fact. dropped that ball. Should have, the other guy was open, should have thrown it there. And you're like, dude, you weren't on the field. You don't even know. Right. <laughs> That's exactly it. And it's easier said than done. It's like, it's not yeah. your budget. You're not the one who has to do it. Right. Um, and, and so I think that's, uh, that's something that's, you know, it's always frustrating, but I think that's part of the, that's part of what we sign up for is how do we, how do we kind of simplify and articulate maybe something that's very complex to them um, at a high level. So they understand, um, they understand the strategy, they understand the value you bring to the table. And you also kind of, kind of at the same point are like, Hey, back off a little, like you do your thing. I'll do mine. Like, you tell me <laughs> if you're in charge of the business, like you tell me what the business needs to grow and I'll do things to get us there. Don't, right. I mean, I'm not coming to you telling you that we should increase market share and, you know, do all these other things or whatever. Right. And, you know, don't tell we me. We finance how to, our line of credit. Like, I don't yeah, know. don't tell me how to run a LinkedIn campaign, right? If, uh, <laughs> or whatever the case is. So I think uh, that's something that we, you know, we constantly uh, as marketers have, are, are challenged with. And it's like, you want, you want them to be tossing ideas at you perhaps, or maybe like thoughts, but then not thinking that that's going to immediately happen. You know, it's a challenge of like, yeah. Oh, so says we should make this campaign. It's like, doesn't necessarily mean we should make that campaign, but they're asking for something around that. So we're like, maybe we dive into it. What are they getting at? What's the thing they're, maybe they didn't just communicate it properly, but yeah. what is that concern or what is that thing they're excited about? And then, you know, figuring out the best, the better way of doing it. Exactly. I mean, it's good. Yeah. You want them thinking about that stuff and you want them right. to care about it. I mean, there's right, right. a lot of other business leaders who just don't care. They, you know, they think marketing's overhead or a waste of money or whatever. Right. And yeah. so in those scenarios, that's probably worse because they're not even giving it a second thought. So I think, I think, you know, the silver lining with that is, yeah, they, they're caring about it. And so they're coming to you with ideas. They may not be great, but to your point, they're opening that door for conversation. So you say, Hey, you saw company a do something why are you so excited about that? What do you think that's doing for them? And they'll tell you. And then you kind of, as you go backwards with that, you say, okay, so is our objective, like we want that same outcome. And then, and then again, you can figure out how, how to do it for you. And maybe it's similar to the way the other company did it, or maybe it's not, but at that time it doesn't, the tactic makes no difference. It's, it's again, what's the objective? How are we going to measure success on that objective? And then, and then figure out the tactics uh, afterwards. You know, I see a, a massive trend, right? The smartest people that come on here are always like, what's the goal? Right. You know, you just said it like, what's the objective? Where, where are we going? Let's talk about that first and then worry about the hows. It can, I don't know. Is it fun to talk about the hows? Like, oh, we could cookie people and we could try this new retargeting thing on them that I heard about and business. It is. I mean, it, I think it is, but that's like, that's like step 10. Right. And so people people will do that step one. I've, I've been in so many meetings again in, at other companies I've worked for and even, um, you know, partnering with some other of of my peers who are kind of saying, Hey, I'm working on this thing. Can you, you know, give me, you know, give me some thoughts on it. And, 
and the first topic of conversation is like, okay, so should we do Facebook or not? Should we do like, it's very tactical. Yeah. And uh, they haven't even defined a goal yet. Um, and, and I think the the risk with starting with the tactics is now your measurables are going to be very focused on the tactics. Mm. So for example, if you say, all right, we need to, we, you know, we need to do Facebook, whatever that means. So maybe it's running ads, maybe it's just posting organically. Um, so well, just like, isn't that just like the worst place to start? It, well, I, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I guess it depends on, it, again, it depends on what your objective is. It could be the perfect right. place. It could be the only place that you play, but it also could be a place you avoid it. You don't know yet. So just by jumping in the water saying, all right, you know what? I'm going to do Facebook no matter what. I'm doing Facebook. I'm committed to that. Now, by default, your tactics are going to be Facebook driven. Like you're going to have likes and comments and, and views be your main measure of success. But that, it, none yeah. of those mean you sold anything. It just means someone kind of engaged with your funny video or your post or whatever it was. So, you know, that's, that's the risk. And that's the same example if you just focus on email, you're open rate, click-through rate, but you're not looking at anything valuable to the business. So you need to start with your objective. You have your measurables for that. Right. And then you come up with what we would call like campaigns. So like what, what's the content messaging for to drive that behavior? And then within the campaign, you're going to have a bunch of tactics. And maybe Facebook and email is a tactic. Maybe it's not. Right. And you'll have what I call vanity metrics. You'll have these tactical metrics that are maybe just indicators that people are engaging with your content, but are no means an indication that your campaign was successful or your objective was met. Right. Because you could you could have a post and have millions of views and millions of likes and it goes viral, but no one buys from you. People, when when you mention your brand to them, they're still like, yeah, I don't know what that I don't know anything about that brand. They just posted yeah. that one video that I saw. Like, I don't even know what they sell. And so it's kind of like, well, was that worth it? And maybe some people would say it is and, and, and that's fine. But I, you know, so I don't think it is. Um, I think, you again, just focus on the on the high level objective of what do you sure. want to do? Right. Probably, probably not the phrase. We should do TikTok. You know, it's probably. Oh, not. I know. I mean, I'm, I mean, I think I've heard. I've I've been asked that. Same with like Snapchat when that first came out, <laughs> right? They were like, "Oh, we should do Snapchat." I'm like, "Do you even know what that is?" Like, they're like, "No," but my daughter uses it. It's like, are, do we sell to your daughter? Like, if that's your, if that's not your right. target demo, then why are you even entertaining this? So, I think. Yeah. Uh, do daughters buy eighty thousand dollar boats? No. Like, or, yeah, right. Whatever or whatever, the case is. Like, or no. whatever it is, it's like no way. So why would you even care to do that? And and. uh yeah, I don't know. I think I think uh, the tactic piece and like kind of uh, you know going for the new shiny object, whatever mm -hmm. that may be, whether that's a tactic, maybe it's a tool. Again, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Like you have all these companies pitching their various tools for their you know sales cloud or marketing cloud or whatever it might be, and a lot of the tools are great. A lot of the tools are just average. Like there's millions of other tools that can do that. I remember seeing a a visual representation of like, I forget how far it went back, maybe like five years ago or not even that far where there were like maybe a couple hundred digital mm -hmm. tools. And like now there's hundreds of thousands. If, I mean, I'm pretty sure it'll be millions soon. You have all these startups. And right. if you look at all those tools, like there's a lot of tools that essentially do the same thing with plus or minus one little unique feature, which usually isn't a game changer. It's just, you know, I put the button here instead of there. So it's easier, right? Something simple like that. Right. And so I think people will see or hear about these new tools and just be like, I need that tool. That's going to be the magic bullet. That's going to make all my problems go away. And I guarantee you it won't. If you don't have a strategy, if you don't have an objective, 
if you don't have messaging and content figured out, you're not measuring anything that whatever tool you have, whatever channel you use, you're going to fail, right? I always compare it to the metaphor I use is if you were trying to build two houses next to each other, same, same exact spec, same everything, the same, same materials of wood or whatever, and you had one construction crew that knew what they were doing, they had a strategy and a plan in place, but they had like the shittiest hammer, they had a handsaw <laughs> that was rusty, you know, their nails were just scattered on the floor, not organized. You had that crew there, and then you had another crew who never built a house in their life, but they had the best hammer. Everything was organized Six Sigma style. They had the newest electric saw. Who do you think is going to build a better house? The first people who know yeah. what the hell they're doing because they're going to make it work with whatever shitty tools you give them. Now, if you yeah. give them the nicer tools, great. They're going to do it a little faster, a little more efficient, but they're still going to have the best result at the end of the day because in the second example, you're going to have these people who have never built a house before just yeah, it's trying like, dude, to it's figure like, it's this like out. It's like me looking at like a – amazing you know really expensive toolbox i don't even know what i'm looking at and it's like right in case you build a floor joist i'm like what <laughs> yeah and you're just gonna do your best of what you think that should be and it's right. probably not gonna be structurally sound it's not up to code for like sure garbage. no <laughs> and uh, but you have the best tools right yeah. you invested in the best tool and it's like well that doesn't mean success where the other guy had like you know a rock instead of a hammer and he built a, the awesome house because he knows what he's doing he had a plan yeah. And so I think, you know, if you relate that to back to marketing, it's very, very similar. If you don't have, you know, smart people coming up with the strategy and having a plan, the tools and the tactics don't even matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter at all. Right. It, again, the other one I'll use is like if you're, you know, people always um, on, on the tool thing. Right. They'll say, oh, well, I have the best account you know or marketing automation tool or whatever sure. it's going to be it's like all right well you know that <laughs> your yeah your competitors have that too right or they can there's not it's not that's true, man. That's so true. it's like okay so now you and i both so what i relate that to is like okay you and i both have the same like ferrari right whatever it is and we race one of us is going to win right like someone's right. going to be the better driver right right and we have the exact same car so it's the same thing so if i have this or marketing automation tool and my competitors have the exact same one. If I'm confident that I'm the better driver with that, then I'm going to win. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe even I'm such a good driver that I can, you can be in a Ferrari and I can be in a Honda Civic and I'll still win. Right. 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 Because a lot of people in the Ferraris keep it on first gear. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to pedal to the metal. You're going to crash. Yeah. You're going to spin out. You don't know what you're doing. And, and I'm going to be in the Honda Civic and I have a, and I'm going to go and I'm going to win. A little right? nitrous. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little, yeah. A little too fast, too furious. <laughs> and Tokyo drift. And, uh, and I think that's what I'm saying. I think, I think that's how I kind of think about all these things. It's yeah. just, you know, when, when the topics of, of tools come up of like, Hey, have you heard about this? We should really do that. Or, or the tactical thing of like, Hey, we should get on TikTok. I relate it back to those two examples where it's like, if we don't have a plan, this isn't going to work. We're going to burn a lot of time and money. Yeah. We're not going to see the results. You're then going to think that that's a stupid tactic or tool. And it may not be, it may, it may be me because I didn't have a plan and I'm just blindly trying to do something with this tool or tactic. Right. All right. Yeah. And you know, I guess in the, to take it a step further, if you gave that crew with a shitty gear, really good tools, they might actually use them, build it faster, but they may not use them, but it's like, okay, that's right. you, but use them if you have them. That's the thing. So how. like, that's, that's like the master level, right? So if you yeah. have the solid strategy and maybe you have a shoestring budget, you don't have a yeah. lot of people on your team, but they're smart. 
you're going to get stuff done and you're going to be successful. Now, if they end up getting a bunch of budget, a bunch of headcount, a bunch of awesome tools and, and tech, well, now they're going to be the best in class because right. just gave these really smart people the best Ferrari or the best saw that you can possibly give them. So they're going to be very efficient and it's going to be the best that they, they can do with it. Um, but you need that foundational element there. And I think a lot of times that's lacking and, and uh, there's a lot of people that hide behind the tool or the tactic. And I mean, sometimes people get lucky, right? There'll be people who don't, who don't know anything about marketing. They don't have a plan. They do run a LinkedIn ad or a Facebook ad and, and it, for whatever reason it works, they just, you know, hit the lottery. Um, and, and then maybe they'll just rinse and repeat that and they're fine. Right. But mm -hmm. that's, that's one in a million. That's, that's very uncommon for that to happen. Um, and even in that scenario, they're hiding behind that platform because if you were to give them another challenge or they move to another job, well, that's not going to necessarily work. So that if that's their go-to, they're going to yeah. maybe fail the second time around and say, oh, crap, I really don't know what I'm doing here. You know, I don't know <laughs> how to evaluate what tactic or tool I should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, what, where do you think this goes in the future? What, do, what are you excited about coming around the bend? Um. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like technology changes so much that there's going to be things like six months from now that aren't even in my head right now. But I mean, I think the AI and machine learning stuff is very interesting. I think as that matures, you know, I kind of think of it as like, it's like a baby, right? So like, um, you can, you can get some pretty cool things. I've seen some examples of, and it's so early on where it's not usable, but there was, I can't remember if it was, if it was, uh, either AI or machine learning, because they are different, but uh, it was basically taking a phrase or a topic and basically writing content for you. Hmm. So you would say, I don't know, again, back to like you know, fishing or something. It would write a whole like a bunch of paragraphs about fishing and you would, you would read them. Again, it's so early on. You read them and say, all right, well, some of this is fishing, but some of this is like way off base. Like yeah, you're talking like about weird, Russia here. And like, content. I don't know, that's not yeah. even relevant, right? And then, uh, but but the stuff that was relevant to fishing, you would like go to Google it and it's like, that content doesn't exist. Like, it, it's not like it was going to find content and piece it together. It right. wrote its own content like a human would. And so I think when that gets to the point where as a marketer, that would be amazing. You just literally put in a topic or a product and it writes the content for you and it's pretty solid. Yeah. And maybe you just have to kind of tweak it. I think that's going to be kind of very interesting and kind of see where that goes. I think that's because I think content's a piece where a lot of companies struggle. It's, it's tough. If you yeah. don't have content writers or if you don't outsource to the right people to do that, you can fall short, you know, even if you have the right tools and the right budget. So I think journalists really don't have a job. Right. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah. Well, then you're going to, you're going to be the one reviewing it. Right. I guess you're going to have maybe, yeah. maybe less work to do, but I think, I don't know. I think that was something that when I saw that or heard about that, I was like, huh, that's a very interesting use case for that, for that. I mean, a lot of people with the AI machine learning automatically go to data and analytics, right. Saying, yeah. Hey, I, I mean, we do the same thing, right. We have millions of rows of data. We need, you know, there's no way a person can go through all that and get insight out of it. So we need, we need basically a computer to do it for us and yeah. give us recommendations and insights. And there's a lot of tools that do that and we use them today and, and they're, they're fairly accurate. And, and again, you can teach them and, and get them to be better. Yeah. So if you think about the other ways that AI can be used or machine learning can be used, I think it gets very, very interesting. If you think about yeah. all of the steps and the processes that a marketing person has to take to, to from start to finish yeah and you think about you know again usually ai is at the end with the data and the analytics but it's like how can you put it through that whole process yeah, i always joke really. around like 
digital marketers are the laziest people because we just want to automate our jobs. Uh. <laughs> right. So like I'd rather work a hundred hours a week for 10 years so I can work 20 hours a week for the rest of my life because I'm going nice. to automate all my work. Right. So I'd rather just, you know, not sleep for years just so I can automate <laughs> it and just kind of have it on autopilot, so to speak. So that that's always the joke I have. And I, I think it's somewhat, somewhat accurate. Um, at least for me, I try to automate as much as I can. So if you think about putting in AI and machine learning into these other steps, maybe you do automate things or, or you save time because now you're getting insights, mm -hmm. recommendations, um, maybe it's even doing the work for you to a certain degree. And then you're just kind of spot checking it. Uh, you know, who knows where this stuff's going to go and how fast it, it kind of snowballs or escalates, uh, you know, once there's something kind of cool there, but, right. uh, it's like, when do we get warp drive? Yeah. Well, then everyone always worries about like the Skynet situation too. It gets so smart that it takes you down, which I, I suppose is like, it's, it's possible. Like, you know, just, you know, if you think yeah. about everything's tied into computers and electronics, I'm, I'm, I suppose that's very, very probable at some point, but, uh, I think from a marketing standpoint, you're pretty safe. You know, yeah, I don't know if Skynet takes over, but I could see like a virus that's machine learning. That might be a bad day. That would be very interesting, though, like a, almost like a disease, like uh, like, like a disease. Like a COVID keeps, virus. Like a COVID that keep, different strains and keeps evolving. Yeah. Could you imagine a virus that just never goes away? You can't, you can't get rid of it. That right. would be very interesting. I'm sure someone's working on that. <laughs> you know, it's some sure layer somewhere. I'm sure there's some, someone some in someone's basement trying to uh, figure that out. Somewhere, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure someone's trying to figure that out, but yeah, I think, I think that's interesting. I think the other risk too, I mean, we're kind of getting on a different topic now is like, you know, the COVID stuff is, you know, obviously scary and, and terrible, but I mean, I could think of a worse scenario, which is, you know, just the power grid going down for months. Uh -huh. So imagine someone hacking that. I mean, that happened back in 2005. I forget when that happened in, uh, I was in Detroit at the time and like, I don't know if it was like half the country or a portion of the country, the power was out for like four or five days straight. Mm. There was something where the power grid went out and just imagine that happening for the whole country for two months. I mean, it'd be chaos. Like nothing would work. You'd have yeah. no internet, no cell phone towers, no electricity. You literally couldn't do anything. Food would go bad. Like that would be terrible. Like a week of that would be almost impossible. Like that would be a nightmare. So you got to think, you know, on the technology stuff that you mentioned the virus thing, but just like the, the hackability of it or just it going down. If you were so reliant right. on the AI or on whatever it is to do your work or do your job and it just power goes out, you're done. Yeah. Right. It's like the equivalent of someone getting sick and can't go to work that day. Like your robots are sick. The power's out. They can't, they can't, they can't operate your assembly line. They can't, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it's going to be, everything kind of comes to a halt. So it's kind of, yeah. Now you, now you got everyone listening, buying guns and buying gold and that's right. And a fallout yeah, shelter guys. somewhere. Guys, if you're listening, <laughs> buy as many guns and get as much gold as you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, how much gold, but maybe it's ramen, you know, you trade ramen. Yeah. What are you going to do with gold? I mean, what are you going to do with it? No one's going to care about gold. That's something. Yeah. It'd be food and ramen, beans. Yeah. Right. Make a ammo. Know, ammo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting point. I think COVID um, not as bad as maybe a Spanish flu situation because, and this is all relative, but um, because we can all work from home, mm -hmm. you know, if we couldn't work from home, like back in the day when we had AOL, you're not working from home, you know, um, then what are you doing now? Now people really aren't being productive, but I think we've all found yeah. a lot of us have found a way to be productive at home. 
you know, and then, then you just feel bad for people that can't, you know, like the restaurants and that kind oh, of, Oh, there's a stuff. lot. Yeah. Manufacturing yeah. or anyone where you physically have to be there and build something or do something, yeah. you got to figure out the safest way to do that. I mean, and, right. and, and even in March, there were periods where I think like weeks or months went by where they were like, you, everything stopped. Cause like you, you couldn't go to the manufacturing plant and turn a right. wrench and make something. So, so that was just on hold for months. And yeah. that, that, you know, trickle down affects everything, right? You don't realize it. Same, the restaurants was a good example. It's like, okay, I can't go out to eat, but it's like whoever provide, like farmers to who provide food to this company that then yeah. gives us the restaurant, like they're not, no one's buying that. And then you say, okay, well, what does a farmer buy? They buy equipment. Well, they're not going to buy any equipment now. Right. Who makes equipment? Well, those people are laid off. It, like it just keeps going. Yeah, it's so connected, right? right? Everything's crazy. connected. It's so crazy. And so, you know, you think about, okay, in this situation, let's just pretend that all of our manufacturing and uh, transportation, like freight, was all AI, self-driving, robots made everything, no humans. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a guy at home on his computer that's diagnosing and fixing the robots and right. stuff. You know, does that solve the problem? I mean, maybe in this scenario, it, it helps, but, but back again, okay, power goes out or virus takes over uh you know it infects the 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 equipment or something well now you're in essentially the same boat like all Mm -hmm. that comes to a halt and and nothing happens so i I don't think there's like any i don't know it's kind of uh try not to think about it but i mean who who would have thought that this would be happening now anyway right yeah so you you got me thinking how long does ramen last you know uh you know what? I think it's like Twinkies. Like it probably has a very long expiration date, but it also probably won't kill you if you eat it past that. I can't, you know, there's nothing. How long does ramen last? Um, Instant ramen noodles. That's what we're talking about. Best by one year. One year. Oh man. I definitely have ramen in my, in my, in my cupboard. That's more than a year old. (laughs) Maybe that's where a lot of your magic powers come from. Do ramen noodles go bad? Um, gonna have to research this further how to store them but you know if they're just the instant dry ones as long as you keep them dry then why wouldn't they just last forever i think they would i think they would provide some nutritional value yeah i mean i get the official like eat them soon so you can buy more but um well and it's probably not going to taste it's probably best buy right it won't taste as great right but you could they're still edible give you nutrients i see while the noodles will definitely keep good quality for a few months past the date they degrade over time and definitely won't last forever is that I mean, a marketer that, talking? Is that a yeah, marketer? that sounds like it. You, so you're telling me in five years that package is going to be du- like it just disappeared. It's dust. It just turns to right. Nothing. It's like from I'm Indiana sure there's Jones. still noodles in there that Indiana I can chop Jones on. just dust just trickles out. Yeah, right. You could eat the dust. Couldn't you eat the dust? You, I, mean, I would eat the dust. I would eat the dust. <laughs> ramen dust <laughs> now on sale in the yeah. <laughs> Casey and Nick's uh, apocalyptic. Uh, food start a new business, man. Ramen yeah, dust. Man. <laughs> sounds cool. Um, so cool. So now we know about ramen. And um, <laughs> great, now we're a little a freaked out for the future, but uh, <sighs> quantum computing, right? We got, yeah, I mean, I think that's fast. yeah, that's kind of, I think to me, kind of on the same track of the AI and machine learning. It's like what you know, even our fastest computers now, it still takes you know, maybe hours to run very advanced algorithms and, and things like that, and so. You know, when we and I know there are quantum computers. I don't know enough about the subject to, to speak on it deeply, but I know there are computers out there that, uh, you know, can run a run a process in you know 20 minutes that takes 
normally the smartest computer we had or the best computer we had, you know, days to run. And so I just, I just Googled that because I, I re- it was a ratio like that. And I didn't, yeah. didn't realize this 200 seconds. It would take the world's best supercomputer 10,000 years to compete. Yeah. So isn't that crazy that something that would take 10,000 years can be done in 200 seconds? Like that's a big deal. But that's I don't think like anyone deal. really gets that in the news. Like that, that's not even a ratio. You can't – that's not like a, a one no. cup of milk to, t- to a gallon of milk. That's like the earth to the size of the sun kind of thing where you're like, what? Well, that's – yeah, that's like, that's like saying like, oh, you can, you know, have a horse and buggy or, you know, a, you could teleport. Like they're not at right. all – they're so far from each other, but they're essentially right. doing the same thing, point A to point B, just much more faster and efficiently, right? So I think it's just crazy to think, it's hard to even put that in perspective of like what what would need to be processed that takes 10,000 years that now we can just do, you know, while we're eating ramen, right? right? And it's By the done. time the ramen noodles By are By the time ready. the ramen noodles are cooked, it's done. And uh, yeah, that's just crazy to think. And it's going to keep getting faster. So that 200 seconds is going to turn to 10 seconds at some point yeah. or turn to almost instantaneous. And then you just got to think of like, well, what are we processing? I mean, you could process almost anything at that point. I think about like medical good. modeling, you know, tests. And- oh, man. I, and like I said, I'm not smart enough on to think about all these other things. But there's so many things that I imagine are very complex that just in a second, it can it, it can give you the answer there and kind of yeah. all the numbers you know i guess the positive news for this is if we get computers like that cranking then something like covid comes out like hey machine figure this shit out it goes rah, 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 right yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the noise it makes and it's data yeah. center and then uh and, yeah. then, and it's like here's your vaccine human you're like yeah awesome, thanks. or it does or it's the terminator situation where it's like beep bop boop uh, eliminate humans right or it's like <laughs> <That's the problem. laughs> i created that virus dave yeah <laughs> like, oh that's yes. right that's right. Damn it, Hal. <laughs> that's right. See, it's going to be yeah. Skynet. But anyway, I think, I think that stuff's very interesting. And, um, you know, it's usually applied to physics and like modeling of the universe and things where there's just so much data, right? But just as a marketer, even it's like, okay, how can I use even a fraction of, of that for, for anything, whatever yeah. it might be, right? Yeah. We're usually last on the list to get that technology, I'd imagine. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure finance, finance will get it first. All, all of our stock so. friends in, yeah. in the market. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, eventually trickles down. Eventually we'll get it. We'll get a version of it. Yeah. yeah the finance people get it first and hopefully medical people will get it. And yeah. Then, yeah. Last on the list is like mar- marketing yeah. here. Now, here you <laughs> right. go. Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, man. Um, yeah. It's, it's almost like we have like one step back, but potentially two steps forward, hopefully, you know, with all this stuff going on. So. I think so. I think it just, all it did to me, and I think I saw a stat on this, but it, it just accelerated the digital transformation for everybody. Right. Yeah. So if you think about even a restaurant, That's if you important. were a restaurant that offered online ordering curbside pickup, mm-hmm. you're fine. You just pivoted to that and say, all right, I'm going to do instead of that being 20% of my business, that's now going to be hundred percent of my business. If yeah. you were a company that didn't do that and you're like, Oh shit, I need to figure it out. Maybe you went out of business. Maybe you just now figured it out and you've lost four months of, of revenue and, and, and whatever. And so I think that's all it did. And I think I did, I did see, I'm trying to remember what the, it was a chart that was showing, oh man, I'm trying to remember now what it was. Um, e-commerce, I think, as far as like percentage of people that buy from, from just online or, or, or number of online orders globally or something of like that. And it was showing, you know, for the last five or six years, year over year going up, like, I don't know, 5%, 10% substantial growth. Yeah. And it showed just between like March and now it went up 
a, basically the equivalent of the amount we've went up in the last 10 years. So from wow. whatever it was like from 2009 to 2019, that amount of growth happened in the last four months. Hmm. So like the chart just went like this and then it just went literally straight up. And so it's interesting that it's like, well, yeah, everyone's at home. You can't go to the store or you couldn't, or people are cautious to go now anyway. Um, and so everyone's buying stuff online, obviously, but you don't realize that the amount of people buying stuff online is like more than the last 10 years of growth that we've seen in e-commerce. <laughs> so it's just like that happened in everything. So, you know, all it did was just accelerate, you know, it, it, it instead of us being there here, we, we would be here 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. right, right with those examples but now we're here right now because we we had to you know and and that the grocery thing I, i'd followed that for a while back in back in like even my college days like food.com people yeah. have been trying to do online delivery of groceries for a long time yeah and it just didn't stick probably because there's something to shopping there's something to walking yeah. down an aisle yeah. maybe you'll see an oreo bag maybe you'll throw it in even though it's not on your list you know right. um so right. I think some kind of ex there's an experience to that, that people people want. enjoy doing it. I think and yeah. yeah, you're right. Like you, all those impulse buys and like maybe you see something on sale or whatever that you didn't intend to get. And so right. I think and then also if you think about like even I'm guilty of this. Like the delivery thing has been around for a while, and you're like, all right, so they're gonna charge me ten dollars plus I gotta tip the person. So I'm paying like an extra fifteen or twenty bucks. I could just drive down the street and do it in half an right. hour. I'm going to save the 20 bucks, right? I'm only going right. to buy $80 worth of food. And so, but now it's like, well, I'll pay the 15, 20 bucks because I don't want to go out and, right. or I can't, or it's not safe or whatever. And, and so I think it kind of, as I started to use it, I'm like, you know, it is, it, it is a convenience to, factor. Like it's easier to do that. And I don't mind sure. paying the, and, and, and the kind of, you save the money because you don't do the impulse buys. Like you actually have to kind of, you're sticking to your list. That, so you know what? No one's used that. They should. That that's the marketing right, right there. It is because Look, you're going to spend I, this fee on something that's going to make you fat. So skip that. And right. do this. You were going to spend that 20 bucks anyway, whether it's on Oreos or ramen or whatever, but now you're not, you're just going to tip, tip the person that delivered it. Right. And pay the little delivery right. fee. And, and then you get your, your fruits and vegetables and whatever was on your list. So, I mean, it, it wow. kind of, uh, I think it kind of works and we'll see if it stays around. I don't know, like once everything's kind of, you know, back to as normal as it was, um, are people going to going to revert back or are people going to say, you know what, I prefer um, ordering my food online and doing curbside pickup. I don't, I don't like sitting at a restaurant, right? And maybe people will start to prefer this, even if the opportunities and options open back up. And it, I'm just curious to see does does e-commerce and those other things start to like trend down because and get back to maybe what it was like six months ago, or is it going to mm -hmm. stay up there? And people are like, you know what, I actually prefer this, even though you know I don't want to go sit down at a restaurant, I don't want to go pick out my own groceries, I want those delivered to me. It was easy, it was more convenient that way. Yeah, I wonder if um, my my gut reaction is it goes back, but if they get enough volume now that it drops that fee, like I'm not going to pay twenty bucks, but Right. It, it, so many people are using it. It's integrated with Uber. Like people just get paid and it's like, great, cool. And it's like 10 maybe. It's like if there's so much volume that comes from now and it, it's cheaper because of that. I think that was the problem in the beginning, like the startup costs of getting this. To, I mean, all those startups yeah. lost so much money, but I think maybe the volume might keep it going long-term to make it a viable option for people who, well, saving $10 is that, uh, well, I'll just stay home. Right. You know? 
I mean, I think that the play is maybe with the data, right? It's like make it free, oh. but then make them tell you three things about themselves or something. And so yeah. now if you're the grocery store, I mean, I know grocery stores are actually pretty good at doing this, right? Like they'll, they recognize your credit card that you use yeah. the same credit card and they know what you bought, but they don't necessarily know anything about you per se. I mean, maybe yeah. they know a little bit if you have like a rewards card or something, but you know, imagine them just asking you like, Hey, do you have kids? How many kids do you have? Right. You know, what's your, you know, whatever, whatever they want to do so they can personalize that shopping experience for you online. Right. And so mm -hmm. if they, if great they point realize, about the data. If you can make it free with data or really dumb, cheap, like worth it for $5 you. so you don't abuse it. And you know, and maybe a little transaction if you're just something, something simple. So you get some money, the store gets, has to pay a little bit. And yeah. then the rest is just, you're, you're selling anonymous data. I mean, that, that's how, that's how Facebook and these other guys do it. You that's, know? Well, and I think I heard, some, I may be misspeaking here, but I think I heard it was, I think it was Kroger, I want to say, has partnered with or made a deal with Roku, I think, to sell essentially their data to Roku for advertising targeting. Mm. So you can say, hey, you know, I'm, I sell, I'm the, whatever company, Nabisco, who makes Cheez-Its? Nabisco? I don't know, Nabisco, maybe. Nabisco. I don't like, know. I'm Nabisco and, I'm, and I sell Cheez-Its. Um, I want to run an ad, a, a seven second video ad when people are streaming TV, but only if they bought Cheez-Its in the last two weeks. Like right. you can do that now because Kroger is going to tell you, hey, these people bought Cheez-Its in the last two weeks or these people used to buy Cheez-Its and they stopped. Right. So let's show them the ad to kind of re-engage. So I think that's starting to happen already. And it's just kind of on that next level. It's like, can, you know, the more data that, that, uh, that a grocery store or any company can capture, you know, yeah, they can use it for themselves, but then they can kind of license it out and kind of use it yeah. for these other things. And I think that's, that's the future. I think I've even heard people talk about Tesla saying like, they're not a car company. They're just like a data company. They're, you know, you think about they're, they're, oh, yeah. they're tracking every, brake and acceleration and turn and where you're driving like they're capturing all that information and they can leverage that to make the autonomous driving or to just target whatever they want to do with it you know them making cars isn't their play that's just like their beta test just to try right. the technology yeah. and the data they're going to go to like a ford or someone at some point and be like here buy my license my technology and my data and they're going to make a boatload of money yeah um, and then everyone yeah. has driving cars and most of them are in that framework yeah exactly they'll yeah. be yeah they'll be like the google of or whatever like they'll be yeah. the, the leading you know whatever that data source is that 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 drives those things and so i think that's that's what their play is and they're just kind of playing around with different uh you know you know mo transportation models to, to maps that data. data everything yeah they're just messing around with it which is smart so i think and you know data is the play i mean you already see you mentioned like google and facebook i mean that's how they make all their money right it's data like their services are yeah. free you don't pay to use google you don't pay to use facebook right as a Gmail. consumer yeah yeah it's all yeah it's all free but uh, they're collecting data and they sell it and that's that's definitely the future sick man you know um apparently it's kellogg that owns cheese it's Oh, sorry, Nabisco. Sorry, Nabisco. But you know, Nabisco is in our hearts. I think they make like the. This is like a food. To me, store. Nabisco makes cheeses. I don't care what. They make the says. graham crackers. They do. They do. You know, I don't know what else they make, but they do yeah. make graham crackers. That's about all I can. Um, but hey, dude, who are you? How did? Now this is this is such a good conversation. Like, what? Yeah. What's your background? Take me back, like little Nick days. Like, you know, what was it like? Where'd you grow up? What was it like? Yeah. Did you always know you're gonna be in marketing, and you have this sort of like really cool approach to everything yeah so i um so i was actually born in alabama i think we only lived there for like six i don't remember it right so I you don't remember yeah same no, i was born in virginia 
don't yeah. remember it. Yeah. I think it was like six months and my parents moved. We moved to Lexington, Kentucky, which is not much different, I, I think, than maybe than Alabama, still still in the South. And then maybe when I was about uh, three or four years old, we moved to Seattle, Washington, or, or wow. uh, actually Bellingham, Washington, to be very specific. It's about like an hour-ish, two hours north of Seattle. So we lived there for a while. That's, that's most of my childhood was 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 being uh, in Washington until maybe I was in, I think maybe fifth grade. And I think I remember very specifically, like the middle of the middle of fifth grade is when we moved to uh, just outside of Detroit. My dad got a job. He's an engineer. He got a job at Ford. So we so we moved. What you so, say where? Uh, he worked for Ford at oh, the time. Oh, Ford. So oh, that was the job offer that got him there. Dude, that then, sounds sucky though. Moving when you're in fifth grade. It was yeah. It was right in the middle too, right? So it was uh. like I I remember it was like whatever October. yeah it sucked as a kid i just remember like all your like all my friends were there like you went kindergarten to fifth grade was in was in washington right and you're like oh, yeah. man, i gotta go right so so we moved and uh you know detroit, detroit too different. sorry detroit but detroit, yeah it's not you great know, like... and just the yeah the, it's just way different like that midwest it's just way different from the mountain views and like the oh, yeah. forest and like oh it's so day. great There'd be reindeer in our front yard eating grass. I remember seeing that as a kid. Like wow. you can, where we lived, it was, I think Mount Baker, like an hour drive. We were up there sledding and, and snowboarding so and cool. stuff. So back to Detroit where it's just flat and just like concrete and whatever. But so we did that. And then, uh, and then we were there for, I mean, I, I've, I live in Indiana now. I've, I moved here about three years ago. So I've been in the Detroit area for 20 something years, right. For most of my life. And, uh, you know, like I would say, like in high school, just like average performer, just like nothing like bees. What, what, what had your interest in high school? Like, you know, um, sounds like it wasn't school. No, not really. Uh, basketball. I played a lot of basketball. Nice. It, it, like, I, I think I did that probably. Are you tall? It seems like you're no, probably. I'm not. I'm not. Huh? I'm five, five, nine. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm not very tall. Oh, relative. Five, two persons like. fast. I had a good, I had a, I had a good <laughs> shot. So I was decent, right? So we, we played a lot. And then I uh, wasn't really big into like video games. A lot of my friends were into video games. And things like, not, not yeah. me, not so much. I'd play for like 30 minutes and just be like, this isn't productive. Like I'm not getting anything out. This isn't productive to me. Like if I win the game or not, like uh, nothing happens. Or at least with basketball, I'm like, oh, I'm in shape. I'm getting better at it. I enjoy, you know, I, I like playing it, whatever. Um that was kind of it. And then I would say even like senior year of high school, when you start thinking about like, where are you going to go to college? What do you want to do? I had no freaking idea. Like I, I didn't, I had no idea. I mean, my dad was an engineer, so I was kind of like, all right, maybe I'll do that. Like that. You seem to make a decent amount of money doing that. I was, again, I was decent at physics and math. Like again, bees. I was like, I could, I could do this. And so I started taking, you know, maybe like some physics classes and, and, and uh, advanced math classes. And I was like, yeah, this isn't, I don't like this. Like Not I was it. okay at it. Yeah. Like it wasn't like I was terrible at it, but I just didn't like it. It wasn't fun. It wasn't creative enough. Um, so what I was doing was my first, so my first two years of college, I went to like a community college. I stayed living at home just for, to save money. Right. And so um, I was working like at a shoe store part-time going to community college full-time, you know, the first year is just like, you know, English and like basic classes mm -hmm. trying to figure out what you want to do. And so kind of what I was doing on the side was I was, I was doing graphic design work. So I had hmm. figured out pretty quickly that it was pretty easy for me to learn like Photoshop and, and do graphic design. And so nice. the niche that I had in the Detroit area was I would target all of the bands and music, uh, musicians and DJs in the area that were promoting parties and coming out with albums and CDs. And I would, I would design their CD covers. I would design their flyers for their, to promote their parties. And I was, 
making way more than I did at the shoe store. And it was enough to pay for college, basically. Um, so I never had any student loans because I was able to kind of hustle on the side and make enough. That's a lot of hustling, man. Each semester. It was, yeah. I mean, I would just, you know, come home and just do start doing graphic design stuff and make enough to pay for each semester. And just that wasn't my plan. Like, I didn't think like, oh, I'll make enough to pay for college. It just I, qu- I just happened to have just enough to be like, oh, I don't yeah. have to take out a loan. I actually have, you know, whatever the 1200 bucks for, I need for these two classes and then right. I have 800 bucks for the right. books and just like little step by step. So I did that. And then, um, I think after the first year, it's like, all right, what do I, I got to figure out what I want to do. It's definitely not engineering and digital marketing. Wasn't a job, wasn't a term, wasn't a thing. Um, there were marketing classes, but they were more like, they called them advertising classes. It was yeah. more about content. The three messaging. P's, the four P's. The, yeah. The four P's. Yeah. It was like, you know, messaging like having an emotional angle to it or a rational angle to it so it was like it was more the creative writing and yeah and things like okay this is you know you're gonna make something that goes on a billboard or goes on a in a magazine i think maybe one teacher mentioned email marketing for like 10 seconds and then that was all that was the only digital thing that i ever they never mentioned websites yeah they didn't mention anything and so i said okay i do the graphic design stuff making some money there i'm decent at that kind of into the advertising thing I'll, I'll, I'll go get a degree in marketing and and or business i think forget what it was i think it was business with like a secondary degree in marketing or whatever it was okay so i did that so i was like all right i'll, I'll just try that and see whatever and so i started doing that i fit i did that so i ended up getting my business and marketing degree and i think i graduated in at the worst time it was 2008 so there was literally no jobs so I was grad. I graduated. I have my degree. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get a job now, make a lot of money. I was still working at the shoe store, still doing the graphic design on the side. Um, you know, not not you know for two years. I think it took me two years to find a job just because the economy was so bad. So I was like, this is you know this is bullshit. I got this college degree and spent all this money, and I'm still working at the shoe store. So two years later, I got a job working for a company doing uh, like online virtual webinars essentially like kind of managing those and, and 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 it was a little taste of marketing right like you you do the graphic you did everything right so you yeah. did the graphic design for the banners you promoted the webinar you were the guy recording it when they were speaking and then you would edit it and then you'd email it out <laughs> and, and then repeat you would just do that all day and so i remember the first two months I'm like oh this is i love this is awesome and then six months in i'm like this sucks. I don't want to do this forever. Like this is so repetitive and easy. Like I, after two months, I mastered whatever that process was. And mm-hmm. I'm like, this can't be what, like, this can't be what marketing is. This is, I hate this. Um, <laughs> right. It, yeah. I hate, I was like, oh, I hate this. And then, so then I saw a job posting and it was with Cummins and I was like, eh, I'll apply. I didn't qualify at all. I don't think <laughs> based on the job title, but I, but I ended up getting the job and, and, you know, I've been at Cummins ever since it's been over 10 years now, but Uh, even during that time when I first started there um, you know I had a regular marketing job trade shows you know uh, printing fly you know just basic Mm -hmm. stuff and um, and this was right again 2011 ish I think maybe 2010 right at the time when social media was starting to take off for businesses right so it was pretty new and fresh Um, email marketing was maybe pretty solid websites were pretty like usually controlled by an IT department at most companies. Marketing right. didn't really have control over them yet. So this was like prime time for digital marketing to start to take off. And and I knew enough about 
IT just kind of, again, in my own, just messing around with computers and, and, and programming stuff and, and whatever, where, you know, a couple of months in, I, I think I went to my boss at the time and was like, hey, can I redesign our website? And I know you guys want an app to do something. Can I try to just develop the app? I'll do it. I'll mm -hmm. do it in addition to my work. Like, I, like I'll finish my work plan, but I'll do this on the side. And they're like, yeah, like, whatever, kid, you know, you know, just try it, whatever. And so I ended up doing it and it was successful. And, and, and that's how I started to get attention and people started to say, oh, this guy kind of knows what he's talking about with this thing. And I just kind of stayed on top of it. And really a lot of it was self-taught because I didn't learn any of this in college. Yeah, same. So this is all self-taught. You know, I'd go to YouTube and learn things. I'd go to these forums or blogs and learn things. I would just try trial and error and experiment with things. I was just very curious about it all. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, doing that for five years at that point I was pretty solid then like I you know if you think about people who were in the digital marketing space I knew a lot compared to everyone because it, it was I kind of started at ground zero when everyone else did um, so I had just as much experience as anyone else in, in the space at the time and so just again you continuing to do that and even to this day I still just constantly playing around and and on my own time I'm just curious I'm interested in this stuff so I'm always mm -hmm. looking at new technologies, whether it's related to marketing or not. And just, I have to understand how things work. So I remember even when I would, you know, when, when, when smartphones, I remember when smartphones first came out, you know, you used to have the flip phone and you could use text and call and then you got the iPhone or whatever. And I'm like, okay, so when I open this app, like what's happening, what's actually work, what's, what's making that thing work. Wow. And when I'm, when I integrate it and like when I click here and it opens up to my email, like how does that, how does it know to send it to my email and. I was always curious about how it works. So I would just try to discover and learn how that worked. And, and kind of once I understand the fundamentals, I was like, okay, I have a bunch of cool ideas now because now I know kind of this, the back end of how the wires get crossed and like what you plug into what now I can, the creative side of me is like, okay, as a user, I would love to be able to do this and no one's doing that. So how do I figure that out and reverse engineer it? Right. So that, that's what I do today. Right. I just try to you know, I have a problem. I know the back end of how things work. And so I just solve, I just solve the problem that way. And, and then if wow. that thing, when, once I've solved the problem and I know what the solution is, I then say, okay, does that solution already exist? And let me go fish around for it. Or is this something I need to make? Or is it like a combination of both? Right. And so, and so that's kind of been my, that's kind of been my approach. And I think I have people, you know, talk to me a lot who are earlier in their careers and they're like, I want, you know, I want to do what you do, or I want to, you know, you know, work on a team like yours or even, you know, have your type of job at some point, you know, what classes did you take or what school did uh -huh. you go to? And I'm like, nothing, man. like school didn't teach me this. You know, I've taken some classes here and there, but again, they're high level fundamental things. I said, it's just go try it. Mm -hmm. You've never ran a Facebook ad before. Go put 20 bucks towards a Facebook ad, set it up and run a Facebook ad and just see what happens. Just yeah. try it. And so I think I, I would recommend that to anybody. Just try it. And you're going to fail a bunch. Of, I failed a bunch of times just trying things. But, uh, but you know, 10 years later, and, and, we, and every now and then we still fail. And I think that's fine. I think when you fail with something, you, you've learned something. And so that's yeah. totally okay. And that's when you're, when you're on the front, the, the front cutting edge of technology and you're first usually the first it's the first guy who trips and falls over the rock like no one knows the rocks there but and so now you figured it out so everyone else knows the rocks there they're not going to trip over it but you did and so now you're a little more cautious of rocks right but but yeah. then you get hit your head on a branch and you okay I i'm sure like the first caveman and woman that were trying to cook with a fire burn themselves and we're like that was a yeah. bad idea what yeah. could we do differently you know it's exactly. all about learning uh, exactly. i love the, i love this advice though and in, in the 
the the path you're taking around just like go do it that's the way that i learned that's all i can tell you to do is to go learn it but the question then if i if i could send you back in time with that time machine and you go back and talk to yourself you just graduated from from school if you could if you could tell yourself any kind of advice what kind of things would you tell yourself knowing all these things you've experienced and I think that, you know, to be, I thought about this before. I don't know if I would change much. I think I have a combination of the, some sort of skill set, whether it was self-taught or whatever. It just, just uh, lucky I had a combination of kind of advertising, marketing, IT skill set that who would have thought that those two things together equal digital marketing? Like right. I, just lucky that, that yeah. I had both of those skills that I could combine. Also just timing. I think a lot of it's just right place, right time, just lucky kind of to a certain degree, right? Like yeah. I knew the stuff. I just happened to be in the right environment. You know, for, for whatever reason, I happened to apply for that specific job. I had the opportunity to try. Like who would have known who, if I didn't apply for that job and I ended up working somewhere, who knows where I, what I would be doing yeah. now, right? Who knows? Yeah. I think, I think the only thing that I maybe would have done a little differently is, especially back then, you know, you know, right now I'm married, I have three kids, but like back then I didn't have any of those and I was just single and I was, I probably would have tried to like maybe start my own business. Mm -hmm. Like I would have, I would have maybe said, Hey, you know what? These tools or this thing doesn't exist. Just try to make it, man. You know, while you're, you're doing this graphic design stuff and you got some time to burn between school and work, like go program, develop an app and try to sell it or do something like be a little more, motivated in that space i think i didn't i think at the time i either didn't even cross my mind or i didn't even think about it mm-hmm. uh, so that would be one thing i could go back and be like hey man go try to invent something or make something because then maybe that could have been it could just the whole trap of being like an entrepreneur maybe could have happened or something it's I, you know, funny I don't you know. say that because your description earlier of the graphic side and then the creative side and looking at what's inside the app why does it do that so you could come up with some different ones i was like okay sounds like a entrepreneur to me it sounds like someone who's about to build something so i'd be surprised if you didn't think about doing that in the future have you thought about any kind of like it, it's always crossing my mind yeah. yeah i've always had ideas for things I, yeah and it's kind of i blame myself right like it, I, I don't know if it's laziness or not but like i'll have a i'll have an idea for something like man that'd be cool and i'll just move past it totally. and then like eight years later someone will bring it to market oh like, yeah oh, shit i like i think one of the things and i'm not saying i came up with this idea first by any means but i remember back in 2008-ish or something, I had a thought of like, we, we were somewhere, we were ordering food and like, we could, man, we can only get delivery from pizza places. Like, I don't want pizza. I can only right. do pizza and Jimmy John's or something. Right. And I said, why can't I just like have some guy go and pick up Chinese food from where you bring it to me? Right. So Grubhub essentially or DoorDash, right? right? Okay. And I kind of had that, and I was like, man, that'd be cool if you just had an app where you could like literally order from any restaurant. They'd just like, a guy would get it and I'd pay him five bucks to do that. And I was like, yeah, that, okay, whatever, that's stupid. And then we moved past it. Totally. And then, you know, and then DoorDash, Grubhub. That's, I forget totally. when they, when they I'm were with created, you, man. But, so, great to meet you. You yeah. invented Grubhub. I invented Uber, right? A friend and right. I were like, we should make an app that hails a cab, right? We should, we should do that. Well, and we're like, what would you call it? We had some silly names. Then yeah. we just dropped the topic altogether. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because you're like, yeah, you know, this takes a lot of time and energy and it may not yeah. work. And, but like, and you, and again, so maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't have the motivation enough to, to like dedicate years to trying to do it. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. So I try to, I try to come up with ideas and, and I have a lot of them. And then, you know, some of them I, you know, now it's different with, yeah. with wife and kids and, and work. And, 
you know, you don't have as much free time. And I'm not, and I know that's not an excuse because I know there's people who would just say, well, don't sleep and and do it. But maybe I just don't have the passion enough to truly invest all my time into it. But you got um, the passion, but like you just needed to align to an idea. And I think what what you're talking about though, I I do that too, but I think it's actually a good thing. It's almost like a natural filter Mm -hmm. so that you don't go quit your job and go crazy off of just a whimsical idea. Like that idea has to sort of like be in there and keep bothering you until eventually you're like, I got to do something about this. Otherwise it's going to drive me crazy. And then, then then like that passion and the purpose is sort of intersected, you know? I think you're right. And that would have been, again, my, my advice to my, to my younger self. It's like, go just make whatever, like you're living at home. You have no expenses. Like you could make a bunch of things and they all bomb, but it doesn't matter. Like you're not Mm -hmm. supporting a family and you're not, you don't have a, a mortgage or anything. So that would have been the time to kind of play around and experiment with building something and I didn't so I think that would be the only kind of thing where I'd go back and say hey man go try to some of those stupid ideas that you think you have go try to make some of those because yeah. who knows what, what those would have turned out to be yeah dude crazy crazy well yeah. you need to call me email me when you're ready to do something like that we'll go yeah, make our own. we won't do we won't copy them but like a demand jump get a little idea going make yeah that happen man Let's yeah for it. sure for sure um well hey how can people connect with you uh, LinkedIn's probably the best. Yeah. LinkedIn's probably the best. I'm usually, I'm, I'm fairly active on there. And so, um, you know, just, just sending me a note on there is usually a, a pretty yeah, don't be, don't be that. a weirdo and just send a connection request. Like all the spammers. Yeah. Out. Send me some sort of, me- give me some context to who love. you are and why you, we need to be connected. Right. Right. And don't make it be a sales pitch either. Cause I do, I, I I'm not, I'm not in for it. It's not, yeah. uh, I usually delete those immediately if it's, if it's you like, delete because yeah. I, uh, I do the report and block. So it's like, you're <laughs> I don't know. I don't, do, I should start doing that. No, I don't do, I don't take it that far. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just ghost them and delete it. If, if they, if they, if they're persistent though, then maybe I, I do, I do block them or something. I'm just trying but, to give uh, them a little social signaling saying, nope. Yeah. And then now we can never be friends because you'll never yeah. find me on, on LinkedIn and I'll never find you. Well, and, 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 and when you, when you take that approach, it's pretty much a one way street. Like you're trying to sell me something. Yeah you know, you're, that's not necessarily value for me as a person. Like maybe it's, maybe it's valuable for my company or what the, the work I do, but like, that's not necessarily why I'm on there either. Like I'm, right. I'm trying to learn things too. And I'm trying to give you value maybe and, and share ideas. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to hear a sales pitch on why you're the best, you know, account-based marketing tool or whatever it might be. Right. Exactly. There's millions out there. So Exactly, man. Well, this has been fun, dude. Yeah, man. Good time. Just coming on here. Good conversations. I think we freaked yeah. people out. We gave them some good takeaways. Then we freaked them out. Then we got them hopeful about the future. Perfect. To learn about your history and we get yeah. inspired to go launch those apps. Yeah. I think it was a, it was a good journey. Good journey, man. Well, hey, don't be a stranger. We're going to have to have you come back on here and just catch up and see how things are going as we get out of the COVID thing. And, and uh, if you ever want to brainstorm or, or throw some app ideas off me, you know, I'll promise to tell you if they're terrible and I'll tell you if they're cool too. That's a good idea. All right. I'll, yeah. I'll hold you to that, man. Yeah. And for those people listening, if you've learned something, and I freaking know you have because I have two pages of notes over here front and back, then uh, share this with someone else. Be a thought leader on whatever platform makes you happy and giddy inside. Uh, you know, eight people, 48, 72, 908, you know, whatever it is, just share that episode with someone, but put your thoughts on top. What did you learn? What takeaways did you have? The idea that we talked about with the place and the time and the context and not going down the rabbit hole, of the demographics driving all your decision and, 
and uh, and being being chill about the tech, but actually using it, putting strategy first. There's so many great takeaways. Put those on there. Tag Nick, tag myself. We'll comment. We'll we'll uh, we'll help reshare that with you and amplify your message. But that's the hot leadership. So go do that. And uh, again, Nick, man, this has been awesome. Thanks for coming on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. All right. For everyone out there listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. Go buy some ramen and we'll see you next time.